All right, here we go. Hour number two, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Travion Berkland, who Mitch Holtis is a big fan of, invited him personally to Chiefs Kingdom. I am so happy, too, that he signed off on our new GM kind of paying for the whole deal. Like, that's kind of ironclad if you think about it. Yeah. Mitch Holtis said it. So I mean, he yeah, he threw it out there on air. I mean, yeah. we can't go back on that now. No. Nope. We kind of have to show up. Yeah. Go make, make a noise. Save that clip, Travion. Make sure you save that clip <laughs> and email that. All right, it is hour two of the game, the game after work. And uh, we'll talk Naquan Tomlin here in a little bit. Moving forward, obviously, and it's it's kind of a weird topic to bring up, but I think it's an important one. Um, interesting ruling from a judge in West Virginia on transfers looking to uh, move for the second time that didn't graduate. Well, we'll get to all the details, so buckle up. Uh, I, I find it to be very interesting, um, especially for a young man that's now looking to play for the West Virginia Mountaineers and Josh Eilert. Jabroni of the Week didn't get to do it yesterday, so we will do it today. And, of course, a little bit of Ask Us Anything. Interesting story out of uh, Idaho. This is, a, this is a Brandon Peoples special here. <laughs> um, I noticed that uh, th- this was made a very big deal. So Idaho got its very first In-N-Out restaurant. And I've never been a fan of trying to go to a restaurant the day it opens, like you know Culver's, for instance. You know, that's oh, yeah. going up really quickly. It's you know, I don't know when it's supposed to open, but I'm sure it's pretty close. That's going to be a very hopping place for a, a week because everybody wants to go try it. Um, and this is the first in and out Idaho's ever had. It was estimated that people waited eight hours no. uh-huh. in line to try in and out. And I had the whole reason I brought it up is I just have to say, like, imagine waiting eight hours and completely and being completely disappointed yeah, by your what experience. If you hate it? Because I, I, you know, working with soccer, you know, working with coaches that are from SoCal and, you know, always talking in and out. And my first in and out experience was actually before going on the road with them to California. So I got to try it before I actually had it with them because they would always want to go as a team meal to in and out. So I tried it on my own for the first time. And it was the most disappointing experience I had from a highly recommended fast food restaurant. Really? Uh, you you what like? Can you tell us like? Give us the the details. Like, oh, I got what I was supposed to get. A yeah. double double. The double double, animal style, and with the fries. And I was like, these are the worst fries I've ever had. The burger's fine, but it's the worst fries I've ever. Had. It just didn't live up to the hype. It was like so. It's like when you build up a movie, like oh, you got to go see this movie. Uh, got to go see Titanic. It's the best yeah. thing ever, and then it doesn't live up to the hype. Even though it's it's probably a great movie, but you let the hype get to your head, yeah. and it to live up to the expectations. That's what In and Out did for me. Now people from Idaho just waited eight hours for a disappointment, and they're like, "No way, we've been waiting longer than eight hours." You know, I, like I'm, years. I'm trying to remember here when the first one in the Denver area specifically opened. Yeah, 14 hours. Yeah. They had some people that waited 14 hours. In other words, they had to go get two meals while waiting in line for their <laughs> in and out. I mean, I have to be starving. It has to be, you know, if I can make it that long, like a life and death situation to wait that long for one meal. That's crazy. I, I'm just showing you both so that you understand that, yes, this is an actual true story. No. 
Travion. Have you heard about that new uh, Cosmics place, the new McDonald's, uh, kind of their take on Starbucks kind of thing? Yes. That they've opened in certain areas and people are waiting for hours and hours just to get a new McDonald's drink? No, no, no. (laughs) I remember when Chipotle opened here in Manhattan and I waited like four days. Because I wasn't going to go stand in line for eight hours to go. Like, hell no. Have you guys been to that uh, Sparks? Yes. It's really good. I love it. It's really good. That Tang Shake. On on points, by the way. Yeah, Yeah, on points Avenue. Shout out to them. That Tang Shake they got is money. Them and Vista. Uh Uh-huh. I could go every day. All right. Let's get to the hoops. Um, So I feel like. Now, what was attempted to be done by Jerome Tang in his official statement on the Naquan Tomlin situation about now, let's calm down, let's start spreading the love. We're now maybe kind of finally getting to that point. I know everybody's still very upset with President Richard Linton, and if you're yay or nay on him, I mean, things aren't going to change until most likely we either there there is a change or we learn about the details we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with that being said, K-State Hoops now does not have Naquan Tomlin. He's going to be heading to Memphis. That was a very quick process. It took, I think, five days. I think it was five days mm-hmm. from dismissal to, hey, I'm now a Memphis Tiger, going to go play for Penny Hardaway, and uh, will most likely be his last semester of college hoops, and then he's going to be on to the professional level. It, it's a funny question to bring up, like how K-State will do without Naquan Tomlin because they haven't had him all season long as an actual player on the court in a game. I don't know if he did or not practice when he was then back with the team on the bench, not playing, but he not suited up, but he was in sweats, did not come out for warm-ups, but he was out there right before tip-off and cheered on the team for these previous four games, not including LSU, uh, but the last four home games. But I'm going to go with the same thought that I had with D.Y. earlier, and that is, you know, throughout this whole time that Naquan hasn't been playing, we've all expected him to be back sooner or later. And we projected our thoughts on Big 12 play, the, the, the near future, that when Naquan came back, it was going to be a, a big impact. K-State is going to be an improved team. They're going to be able to do this, this, and this better. Now he's not with the team. So now we got to settle our minds back to, okay, this is what we have. These 12 guys on scholarship is what K-State's going to have for the rest of the season. This is the team that's going to try to make it once again to an NCAA tournament, try to make a big run, compete for a Big 12 championship, and try to check a lot of boxes that they have in the locker room that will show off the success in year two under Jerome Tang. So I want to go around the room. Now that you know what K-State has, now it's set in stone unless something else happens. And I certainly hope it doesn't. Moving forward, after everything that's taken place, and DG, if you want to lead us off, how good right now are you feeling about the future this season of K-State men's basketball? I was so impressed on Saturday Saturday against um, LSU. I, I... with everything that happened throughout the last month, but specifically the last week, for that team to go down there in that kind of atmosphere and come away with that victory the way that they did it, 
I was re- I was so impressed. I really, really respect them and the coaching staff for holding it together, and not only just holding it together, but flourishing in a in a situation that I think lesser teams would have fallen apart completely. Um, you're missing your guy. That's all anybody wants to talk about. And distractions galore, and you go down there and get a big win against a pretty tough opponent. Um, I don't know how LSU is going to end up this season. I think they're going to be up and down. They they're going to get two of their better guys back, or maybe not. I think one of them is an eligibility issue, but they are a pretty decent basketball team. And K State looked great as long as Cam Carter continues his, I mean, meteoric rise. And I this is out of nowhere. When he when he transferred to K State, I think he was averaging single digits mm-hmm. for points, and now he's scoring twenty points a game. He looks amazing. Um, well, our guy, our transfer guy, Kaluma from uh, he made a play. The <laughs> wraparound layup the off the rebound, dude. Yeah, I've never seen that before. I couldn't believe he did that. He was a contortionist trying it to. Was yeah, it was crazy. It was a great play, and it was like he does it every day of his life. I I think the sky is the limit for this team. I think they are great, and when the shots start falling and they start hitting shots confidently, look the heck out. Obviously, Naquan Tomlin being on the court helps out any school in the nation, and it would really help this team because he was part of that brotherhood. But they are. Their their view is in in front of them. They are not looking back at all, and for whatever reason, I think they had a good idea that he wasn't coming back too. You know what I mean? Like I don't know why it seems like the fans are more affected by it than this team. They're like, hey, it is what it is. We keep going. I'm so excited for this season, and I thought I'd feel a lot different with Naquan Tomlin gone. I do have a little bit of concern. Just in that there's going to be a depth issue, I think, in terms of bigs. That you lose what you had in a starter and a guy who was giving you solid minutes and a 10-6 and six average. That said, um, there are some other things that concern me against teams that are going to be very good defensively. And when you look right now at where the conference sets up with the number of teams that are in the top 25, a lot of what those teams hang their hats on is their defensive intensity, BYU being one of those. And oh, I so had, they're scoring the basketball yes, way better than I thought they were going to be. They are. They are. And But Baylor comes to mind as well. You know, I mean, let's be perfectly honest, the mirror image in terms of what <laughs> the two places can be. I, I have that concern given the slow starts that have been the norm for Tyler Perry out of the box. That, that concerns me because you're going to need to be in a position where you are not playing yourself out of a hole against these teams in the conference. That said... From a personnel standpoint, in general, yes, I think this team has a lot of promise, has a lot of ability. You're putting a lot on some young guys that maybe you weren't expecting to contribute right away in ways that they are going to contribute now the rest of this season. Day-Day Ames is going to literally be learning on the job through this year. And 
you know, how much of that adds pressure to what he's doing is a good question. And how is he able to handle that going forward? Uh, again, there, there's promise there with this team. Is it going to ride as high as it did last year? No. In all likelihood, no. But that's in large part because it is an entirely different roster. You know, D.Y. mentioned it earlier. You don't have two All-Americans on this roster. You don't. It's an entirely different team than what this program was a year ago. It's not a surprise to maybe have it step back some. But it's going to be competitive in the conference. And one of my personal views throughout the entirety of the Bruce Weber era specifically, but even before that, given the way that the NCAA tournament is structured, to me there is no reason why K-State should not be in the tournament year in, year out. Mm -hmm. We should be that type of program. The tournament is built for Power Fives at this point. We know this. And if you are not in that tournament year in and year out as a Power Five program, you've got some structural issues that need to be addressed. I look at this as being that, that starting point where we start to put together year after year after year of those appearances. <coughs> we had the one last year. This will be year number two in a row. We go from there. Just keep working on building the program and, and doing what Jerome Tang wants to accomplish with it. I like that you both tackled kind of both sides of the story. Um, you know, looking at it as a lot of optimism and looking at, you know, they've had some struggles. How do they bounce out of those struggles and continue to perform with Big 12 play on the horizon after the after the Chicago is it Chicago State Chicago State yeah. on January second? I mean, gosh, it's crazy that Case State only has three uh, non-con games left, and they're kind of really spread out. Yes, uh, over these next handful of weeks, um, you know, I, I kind of fall in the middle in a way. I mean, Naquan, what you don't have now is, gosh, that that raw athleticism, hell of a dunker, the length mm -hmm. that he brings to the floor. And Troy is right; this is a hit to your. Depth when it comes to the bigs, especially and especially if you get foul trouble. You know, going to the five out that was going to really help Naquan. Mm -hmm. Naquan was was going to be the, in my opinion, heading into the year was going to be the guy that was going to benefit the most playing at that five out because he's so good in ISO. He's so good one on one taking on a defender, and he he can work it out in his mind in different ways to get around a guy and go score the basketball. He was never the best shooter, but could he go score the basketball? Absolutely. Right now, K-State has three players that average 16 points. You know, Naquan comes around, and it's hard to predict how that does calibrate, how the numbers do change a little bit. But honestly, I mean, Naquan might have been the fourth best scorer on this team. Mm -hmm. That That, that is a, a pretty decent possibility. Now, without him, let's remember, Quest Glover is going to return very soon. You know, most likely after Christmas, maybe that Chicago State game is, uh, is when he does come back. When he returns, I like that for uh, Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. Because now he doesn't necessarily have to worry about the point guard responsibilities. Mm -hmm. He can be back to most likely being, and we'll see, a full-time two. That's his comfort zone. So I like that. But Tyler does need to be a better shooter. 
needs to be a better shooter from three, really just all around the floor. He is a phenomenal free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen his lack of getting around defenders and getting the drives and being a slasher. That hasn't quite been there yet. I, I think, honestly, my my biggest fear is maybe just too many turnovers. Can they figure yeah. out how to slim yeah. down the turnovers a little bit? I think this is going to be a great team. They're not going to be the best shooting team in the Big 12 this year. Defensively is another part of this where I think they've been getting better. And that's where my optimism truly lies. It's probably my number one right now. Is that we've seen them get better with it, their two-point defense through the season. The numbers are getting better. Now they're holding teams to 46% from, from two. And that's now top 75 in the nation. It was a lot worse not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I also like the team's fight. This team does have some grit. They've played some really close games lately. And then when you go on the road and play a pretty decent LSU team and control the game for most of the contest, adversity hits in that second half, you bounce right back and open it up to double digits. That was really good to see. Yeah. So I'm really feeding off that last performance. And I've loved what Will McNair has been doing lately. Mm-hmm. He has been more than just a post-up guy. He's been defending ball screens. He has been much better than I thought he was going to be. With Naquan in the equation, I figured that his role would be very limited because I also thought Jarrell Colbert might be the two guy, or not the two guy, but you know when you think about those bigs, would maybe be first off the bench. Let's put it that way. Will McNair's talent has been more than I thought it would be. So K-State, as of right now, has done a pretty darn good job of coaching up these Mississippi State transfers. <laughs> Cam Carter is yeah. a great, obviously the other example of that. So I, I do have plenty of optimism. Let's also bear in mind that you brought up the spacing that is in place for these last three non-conference games. What has taken place over the course of these last couple of months with this team is that you've seen that they've been able to develop at a different pace than even a year ago in the way that the schedule was set up. It left more time for some work away from game action at varying points. And right now is one of those stretches where they're going to have that as well. Once conference begins, you know that's, that's when the real tests take place because you don't have those practice times. And getting in the gym to develop becomes that much tougher because of the travel involved, the timing involved. Everything about it in terms of a schedule becomes compressed for coaches. So the fact that they've developed as well as they have in this early portion of the season is a positive. Now it's going to be about maintaining that and trying to scratch out improvement where you can when the conference season starts because you just will not have that time frame to work with them. Well, and speaking of the bigs, I mean, K-State will need to see better play from David Gasson Mm -hmm. other than just his rebounding. Being better around the rim, scoring the ball, hitting free throws, you can't go 0 for 6. You can't. I, I, I was it Wyatt that said it er, earlier this week? When you're 0 for 6 from the free throw yeah. line, you're no longer an option when you need a bucket towards the end of the game. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've played yourself yeah. out of that spot. I was just going to say, you've just played yourself out of that spot, and we need him to come up big because during this 
thing called the Big 12 schedule. <laughs> you need to have guys who are, are can get everybody else like rallied up and say, hey, this is what it takes to win in the Big 12. And he's going to have to lead by example for a lot of these guys. Extremely fascinated to see where the focus is in this next game against Nebraska after they've had a long time off for finals and not focusing as much maybe on basketball, focusing on academics, and then you come out and now you're going to have a full house against Nebraska, and then a neutral side game against Wichita State. A lot of emotional games coming up next here on the docket for K-State fans. Yeah, They're going to be emotionally invested into this game, these next two games big time. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we still have Jabroni of the Week and Ask Us Anything coming up. Interesting ruling on athletes – that are seeking a second transfer. It's coming up next. We are back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, David G, Travion Berkland. Trey, your hair is getting long. You just going to let it keep going? I don't know. If you've never met a haircut in six years. Six years? Yep. That's six years? Mm-hmm. I figured, honestly, six years would be a little bit longer than that. But... For those that don't know, Travion has an afro. Looks it's fantastic. A very, it is a very good one. Mm-hmm. Very good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, so out of West Virginia, very interesting story here. I, I find it to be interesting. Um, federal judge in West Virginia has issued a 14-day temporary restraining order, a.k.a. a TRO. That was earlier today against the NCAA, allowing two-time transfers to play immediately. Immediately. For now. You might remember back in 2021, the NCAA adopted a rule allowing for a one-time transfer exception for undergrads, meaning an athlete could transfer once and play immediately without sitting out a year. Second-time transfers were required to graduate or be graduates to receive an NCAA waiver in order to play immediately at a third school. Well, the rule was that um, if you are looking to transfer for a second time and you hadn't graduated yet, you got to sit out a year. Now, for now, it looks like a 14-day window has opened up thanks to a federal judge in West Virginia. And this was a lawsuit that actually has multiple states involved. I believe it's seven. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's not just West Virginia. But what makes this so interesting is there are a number of transfers out there that transferred for a second year, didn't graduate, and now what they thought was it's just going to be a set-out year, they're immediately able to play. And the first name that pops up, and I'm sure this is a name that pops up for almost everybody else that is familiar with this story is Raekwon Battle, West Virginia. K-State played against them last year in the yeah. tournament, first round in Greensboro, North Carolina, home of the Greensboro Coliseum, where Sting will have his very last match ever. <laughs> and he, he he's very good. good. I know K-State recruited him. Um, a lot of schools wanted him. 
but he really connected with Josh Eilert. And that's because growing up, Naquan, or, uh, Raekwon Battle lived on an Indian reservation. Well, Josh Eilert for two years in South Dakota lived on an Indian reservation. And there's more to the story, but they bonded over that. Um, and Raekwon has had, um, when it comes to his family history, a lot of tragedy, which has led to, you know, just kind of being, you know, I don't know how do I properly put this, like mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say mental health issues have been the result of all this family drama because there's been a lot of tragedy from, you know, drugs and alcohol abuse to other things. You know, he comes from Washington. Unfortunately, you know, Washington has had a rough history in drug use. I mean, Yakima, Washington, for decades, has been a really rough area for drug use. And so that is what led to his first transfer from Washington to Montana State. Well, academically, he fell behind. I don't know the whole story there, but academically, you know, because he's played four years of college basketball, he should have graduated by now, but he doesn't have his four-year degree. And so he transferred without being a graduate, so he had to sit out a year. But now this allows him to actually play. And I'd questioned for a while, I was like, okay, so what the heck happens after these 14 days? <laughs> the NCAA has said they're not going to appeal. But I'm like, okay, so does this affect redshirt status? Did this become a you know this become a year of eligibility if they play a couple of games in these 14 days? You know, how does this affect these guys that have been sitting out for already nine, 10, 11 games? So it's very interesting. But I feel I I you know yes, West Virginia is a Big 12 team. This does make the Mountaineers I think a lot better. But knowing his story, him being a great kid. Um, he's gone through a whole lot. I, I love this opportunity for him. I really do. Uh, there was some clarification that I saw on what this means in terms of the 14 days and what happens after, because the restraining order is essentially in place until they hold another hearing. December 27th will be that next hearing. There you go. Uh, and so while the NCAA isn't appealing the TRO, there's still the main case looming for discussion beginning on the 27th. That said, uh, someone pointed out that as of right now, the players involved can play, which means in West Virginia's case, in Raekwon's case, he can play three games. It will not count towards eligibility. There you go. If they play fewer than, or, you know, say, for example, at that hearing on the 27th, the judge reverses or says, no, you cannot, and upholds the rule. Just one more headache for the NCAA in the grand scheme of things, honestly. Dang, West Virginia's next game is against Wright State, Monday, December 18th at 9 a.m.? Ooh. Why? The very first opportunity they can get Raekwon Battle to play. <laughs> They're like, okay, 9 a.m. <laughs> this is nuts. I, I, after the stuff with Naquan Tomlin, like graduating and then five minutes later being oh, Memphis uh, Tiger, I, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Like, well, and I, I'm thinking like, okay, what do coaches think about this? Just Because whatever. I'm sure you have some coaches out there that recruit a certain way and would have loved to go after a couple of guys mm-hmm, that sure. would be eligible. But the thing is like, I, you know – Maybe for some, this wasn't coming out of nowhere. This lawsuit was known about. But now you're going to play against teams that 
are now all of a sudden going to have some eligible guys. Mm-hmm. And who knows if, if this will become a permanent thing or not. I wonder if you could get a ballpark number of how many people that this affects. Do you think it's like – you think it's a lot of You know, guys? that's a good question. I, I don't have a clue yeah, I, I, how many this does affect. I, I just know. I, I know, uh, let's see. I think Southern Miss has um, Sabello. I'm forgetting his first name, but he was also a transfer that didn't graduate, transferring for the second time. Now he becomes eligible to play. Those are the only two players I can think of. This became a item much more so than, than Raekwon Battle with the receiver that was transferring into North Carolina this fall and had played had gone to two different schools previously. Well, one of those schools, uh, North Carolina Central, he had attended, but because of COVID, they didn't have a season. And then he transferred out. So this was his second transfer, is how they read it, and... Tried to keep him out until finally relenting in October because Carolina was fighting them tooth and nail on it and was ready to go to court over it. But if I remember seeing it correctly, there's four, I think there's four college basketball players at the men's level this year that are playing in their eighth season. Oh my God. And somewhere you go, hey, you had your shot. (laughs) I'm sorry, go home. It's this time to go home. You've done you eight years. How do you have kneecaps? Oh, guy? What is this? Come they're, on. They're working on the uh, KU uh, fading. Perry Ellis. Perry Ellis yeah. uh, <laughs> the per- plan. Oh, my God. Like some of these guys born in 1990, 1990, still playing. Hush. Come on. All right. When we come back. Um, yeah, again, that'll be interesting to see. I don't know when K-State, West Virginia, when they play. By the way, that... Uh, February 21st. That that that. Are you sure that that's the men's schedule? The right state game oh. is actually the women? I googled men's basketball schedule and it gave... You're right, it gave me the women's. Oof. And, and that the is re- a weird... And the reason it's a weird time is that's their education day. Okay, let's see if we can figure this out. You're right. What? Okay, so five... Still, 5.30 is a weird time. Uh, West Virginia, UMass. That's right. Okay, I remember seeing that. All right, the Hall so of Fame game, 16th, yeah. So Saturday, yeah. Uh, Education Day. That'll be a riot. <laughs> Pack the house. Mountaineers host the Cats January 9th. Sorry, I got my uh, schedules all backwards there. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, a Wednesday edition Jabroni of the Week. After these words, know your role and shut your mouth, you Jabroni. You Jabronis hit the jackpot. The Hollywood brand Jabroni, Hulk Hogan. Al, is this Jabroni's name? Jabroni of the Week. All right, if you're familiar with the show, you know how this works. This week I got two dishonorable mentions. We'll culminate with my Jabroni of the Week. First dishonorable mention, I'm going to go with Oak Hills Christian Men's Basketball. They're D2. And over the weekend, Sunday to be exact, faced North Dakota State. Uh oh. Um, it did not go well for Oak Hills Christian as they lost 108 to 14. They were down 60 to 5 at halftime, and, and North Dakota State had a hot shooting night. They hit 15 threes in the game. Now, and Oak Hills Christian isn't any good. They're 2 and 8, but here's the deal. The reason Oak Hills Christian becomes a dishonorable mention is because the 94-point margin of victory for the Bison tied 
the modern NCAA men's basketball Division I record for largest margin of victory, tied with Utah beating Mississippi Valley State by 94 in 2019. Now, the actual overall record for largest margin of victory in a D1 men's basketball game all time was Georgia beating Southeast Christian 102 to 2 in 1917. Damn. Hey guys, come on, let's get ready to roll. <laughs> Remember when we got beat by 100 points, coach? Oh god. My next dishonorable mention goes to Murray State guard Sam Murray. <laughs> Would your dad own the school? Come on, man. <laughs> I I bring him up because this actually is an opportunity to bring up a really cool story. So for um for Austin P, they have a player by the name of Hansel Emanuel. He has one arm. And uh, against Murray State, he had himself a pretty good 19 minutes, four points, one assist, nine rebounds, Jeez. three blocks in the Battle of the Border victory. This is a rivalry game. Damn. Already. But because of Sam Murray being mixed into this, Emanuel, again, with one arm, Posterized dunked him. Oh, my God. Now, I'm not here to offend anybody with one arm. Sure. But if you get dunked on by a guy with one arm, that's a tough look. Yeah. <laughs> After he's outboarded you, yeah. nine to one. I mean, you just got demolished. Yeah. And oh. you had a very significant advantage. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, you got to come back with the heat. What did this guy, Murray, what did he decide to do? Oh, is that he just got dunked on? He just got dunked on. Oh, no. He didn't even come back and do anything. Like, <laughs> try to fight him. <laughs> That's what you have to do. You have to punch him. Oh, my God. All right. My last is on a one arm man. Come on. <laughs> he probably lose. My last, or not dishonorable mention, this is my jabroni of the week. This is, this is not a surprise here because we talked about it with Mitch Holtis earlier today. I'm going to give it to wide receiver Kadarius Tony. <sighs> In a game you should be talking about the X's and O's. I mean, it turns into checking with the official and your toes being too far up on the line. The line is scrimmaging Katerius Tony in a very rare foul I've ever heard in, in football ever. Offsides on the offense on the go-ahead touchdown play where you ran it in after a lateral, lateral from Travis Kelsey. The thing is, though, it turned into did he check with the ref? Did he not check with the ref? He very, very quickly checked with the referee, didn't even give the ref a good look. Mm -hmm. Ref didn't respond. It really wasn't much check at all. And by the way, yes, Kadarius Toney was offsides. He was clearly in the neutral zone. That was the right penalty to call, even though they probably should actually call that about five other times (laughs) in the game. It just wasn't called until it was crunch time. Kansas City got the go-ahead score, and there was a flag thrown right at the snap. But this isn't the first time Kadarius Tony has cost Kansas City in a win. Go back to week one against the the Detroit Lions where he had a pass from a Holmes. I mean, Taylor, I mean, it was perfectly delivered. Taylor made catch to the mittens of Kadarius Tony, bounces right off his hands into a Lions chest, and it's a it's a pick six. Ugh. And that was the game-winning score for the Lions. Kadarius Tony had himself a hell of a Super Bowl last year. Since then. Bad. It hasn't been a good year. Kadarius Tony, you're my jabroni of the week. That's he's the jabroni of the season. I, I'm at least impressed that people aren't aren't fully going after Carl Cheffers. I know Mitch had commented on on the crew of Cheffers yeah. uh in pregame. 
just kind of made a, a little sly address of it and let it go. He did. He did the. He was a pro about it. He could have really buried him, but that. I mean, you can't not call that how egregiously the right. Brony of the week was offside. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that was, was horrible. Yeah, it's not like it was a penalty after he scored the touchdown. Yeah. No, it was a penalty at the snap. Or if you weren't in so much of a hurry, you check with the referee right? yeah. properly. Yes, yeah. and you get back a little you bit. Get details, back. details. The, the ref is going to give you the old thumb that way yeah. and say, "Get back a little bit." Come you're, on, then man. you're good. And then nope. Didn't put the effort in necessary to be successful. Nope. All right, that's our Jabroni of the Week. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Ask Us Anything, hosted by DG, next. Uh, today's Ask, uh, Ask Us Anything inspired by a story from yesterday. A lady uh, claimed uh, someone offered her $200,000 for a Doberman Pinscher puppy. And she said no. $200,000. And she said no. Would you rather take $200,000 for your puppy or your cat or your hamster or your lizard or take in every stray that you come across for the rest of your life? How did these two become connected? I have to ask for the, you know, would you rather? I need like the yin and the yang. So it's like, you know, either no pets and 200 grand or no 200 grand and every pet ever. Dog, no. Yeah. Hamster, 100%. There's not a hamster in the world that's worth keeping and turning down 200 grand. 200K for a hamster? What if, though, what if the guy offering the money is like, like a real, like, Geezy, like creepy looking dude is like, hey, give me your animal. <laughs> Would you still be like, whoa? I feel like you just did a Troy impersonation there. <laughs> uh, intentions. Yeah, like you, like you can look at him and he's going, yeah, give me, give me your little hamster. <laughs> Wouldn't you be like, all right, no way, pal, get away from my hamster. I, I, I'm, I'm fighting every urge to make a joke right now. I'm fighting every urge to throw off the one-liner. The thing about cats, though, you, you, you know, it's funny, like. If they had the opportunity, they'd rob you for everything you have. Yeah, cat would sell they're, you. They're ruthless. Yeah, ca- cats are awful. Be. Yeah, cats are horrendous. They're not yeah. as loyal as you think they are. A cat would have a throw up a hairball on you and then sell you out. They show enough love to get what they want. Absolutely. I will say, you know, did you hear about? So I I heard about this on a podcast about hamsters. So I don't know if this is true or not, but this is a story I heard that so hamsters will hibernate, and when they hibernate. Their bodies turn cold. They don't eat. They don't drink. They barely breathe. Aww. And most people think that they died. And so they bury their hamsters. They thought they died. And we've basically been burying our hamsters alive for years. Oh, my Rubble. God. No way, dude. This is, that's the saddest thing I've it's ever seen. It's sad. I couldn't believe what I heard. Oh. I was like, I've never had a hamster. I've never wanted a hamster. Damn. That's like the Twilight Zone for hamsters. Oh, my God. Kick on the Ramones Pet Cemetery. Yeah. As a backing track, yeah. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. Travion seems like a hamster kid growing up. I had a hamster named Shaggy. Did you bury him alive? <laughs> we, I gave him away. Ooh, so I don't know died. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not even two bucks. Yeah, here, please. Get a lot of hairstyling product that way. Get away from me, Shaggy. We're out of here. We got a full two hours tomorrow for Travion. Deej, Troy, Mitch. Go Cats.